Magandang umaga, it means good morning. If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing his word. You can, you, if you want, you can repeat this in Tagalog with me. Uh, verse 1, Sa iyo, Panginoon, ako'y mahanap at kalungguan, wag mong ayan akong mapahiya kailanman. Ligtas mo ako sa pamagitan ng iyong katuwiran. Verse 2, Ikiling mo ang iyong pandinig sa akin, iligtas mo akong agad, maging batong kansulain sa nawa sa akin, isang matibay na muhog upang ako'y ligtas. Verse 3, Oo, ikaw ang aking malaking bato at aking tanggulan alang-alang sa iyong pangalan, ako iyong akayin at patnubayan. 4, Alisin mo ako sa bintag ng kanilang lihim na inagay para sa akin sapagkat ikaw ang aking kalakasan. 5. Sa iyong kamay ay ipagkakatiwalaan ko ang aking espiritu, Panginoon, tapat na Diyos, tinubos mo ako. It's Psalm 31.1.5. Sorry. Our New Testament reading today is from Acts 7, 55-60, page 9-1-6. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed upon it into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garment at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling in his knees, and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold these sins against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. BBC Dad. Let's join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I am grateful to you. We are all grateful because you have given us your word and that we can hear it in so many languages. I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word in Tagalog. thank you that we can all share in what it is that you have said. Oh, Father, help us now. As just as we struggle to understand each other's languages, Lord, we, we struggle to understand and to hear what it is that you are saying to us, Lord, and 
Lord Jesus, you said it right when you said we are slow to believe all that the scripture has said about you. Help us now, though, Lord, help us now to be swift to hear, slow to speak, but even swifter, Lord, to obey. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm crying because I've been here 16 years, and that was the first time I heard my sister read the scripture in her language. Thank you, Lord. If you're visiting, I don't always begin a sermon that way. <laughs> oh, it sometimes happens in the sermon. Oh. Oh, uh, but I'm, I'm, I thank the Lord. Uh, so this is a true story. Three Presbyterian pastors walked up to a Korean double fried chicken restaurant with the hope of having their hunger satisfied with some Korean double fried chicken. The lights were on inside. The workers were present. The flashing light on the, in the window read, open. The sign on the door said the place closes at 9.30 p.m., but it was 9.27. The employees were closing the restaurant. They were wanting to leave at 9.30. One of the preachers made a, a desperate plea three times asking, can you please let us purchase some chicken? Can you please let us purchase some chicken? But it was preordained before the foundation of the earth <laughs> that his cries were met with a resolute no. The preachers walked back to their vehicle and looked at the sign, mocking them at it as it kept flashing, open, open, open. They drove away complaining, you should at least turn that sign off. They groused as they drove away hungry. Why say you are open if you really aren't? So in case you're wondering, the title of the sermon is Heaven's this, I see the heavens open. It's from the text here in Acts chapter 7. See, and everyone wants heaven to be open. All people have a hunger that only heaven can fill. I would say that most people think that heaven is like that restaurant. It's said to be open, but is it really? They, and they have assumptions about how heaven is open. Don't you have to work to enter it? Isn't there a clock on heaven that if you don't act in, in time, you have missed your opportunity? And what about all of the charity work, all the volunteer hours, and, and my church attendance? Won't all my religious fervor mean heaven is open for me? Just how accessible is heaven? Well, see, see, these are questions of, that spiritually hungry people ask. And Stephen declared he saw the heavens open. But what happens when the heavens are open, and why do we need heaven opened in the first place? See, in this world 
And in these times, we need to know that the heavens are opened. Since heaven is opened, we need the vision of God's glory to sustain us when the violent respond so that we receive the vindication of a servant having heard the voice of grace. Let me repeat that. Since heaven is open, we need the vision of God's glory to sustain us when the violent respond so that we receive the vindication of a servant having heard the voice of grace. Let's think about this. The vision of God's glory. Verses 55 and 56 said this, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now Stephen has just preached a dangerous sermon. And it's dangerous because he just told the religious leaders and the, and the, and the power brokers you're not right. Your fathers weren't right, and you're doing just what your fathers have done. Your fathers killed the prophets, and you have killed the righteous one. That's what he says in verse 52. You see, truth can be a dangerous thing since it threatens everything that's not true. And Stephen, the deacon, was letting them know that God has made a way for their redemption in Christ, in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, heaven is opened. The religious leaders were enraged. And then Luke writes, but he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen got a vision of God's glory while, they, while, while, while the group, the, they were enraged. So let's observe a few things here. One, seeing heaven open is by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit enables Stephen to gaze into heaven and see the glory of God. You can't see the heaven, you can't see heaven open without the Holy Spirit. You can't see the glory of God without seeing heaven opened. And therefore, God, through his spirit, opens heaven for you to see his glory. That's the first thing. The second thing. Seeing the heavens opened is to see ultimate reality. So you, aren't living, you aren't living in reality if you aren't seeing the heavens opened and you're gazing at the glory of God. See, the glory of God is, it is, it is where it's, it's reality. It's, it is the fixed point that your life has to, uh, has to be tethered to drawn to in order for you to live in reality. This is why the Proverbs would say that it is the understanding, the understanding and knowledge of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because it's through the knowledge of God that you can know anything and you only know anything through the knowledge of God. So, this is ultimate reality. If you aren't seeing the heavens open and gazing at the glory of God, you're missing reality. Well, what does that mean? Well, so think of a compass. 
See, if a compass, if a compass, if you have a compass that isn't fixed on true north, and you're using this compass, this compass, you're following it, you don't really know where you are. Because that compass, that compass is, is it's, it's, it's not going in the right direction. You know, you're, you're, you're missing it. If that compass does, isn't fixed on true north, you can't be certain of the direction you're going. So in September of 2019 in Greenwich, stand, standing, at the, standing at the prime meridian line for the first time in 360 years, compasses pointed true north. Because there's the magnetic field and there is the, tr and there's the true north. So the, the magnetic north and the true north in, in September of 2019 in Greenwich at the prime meridian, prime meridian line they came together. They came together. And at that time, yes, the, the British Geological Survey said this. They remarked on how this, how this hadn't happened in hundreds of years. So your compass, if your compass that doesn't point true north doesn't correspond to reality. And see, so see, similarly, seeing the heavens opened is like having your compass fixed on true north the glory of God. See, so that's the second thing. The third thing, being full of the Holy Ghost doesn't prevent death, but it leads us to a vision of the glory of God. You see, the glory of God and the experience of eternal life are inextricably linked. Jesus said this in John 17, verses 1 and 2, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus prays to be glorified since or because he has authority over all flesh and that authority is used to give eternal life. Jesus is glorified in giving eternal life to God's children. And so being full of the Holy Ghost doesn't keep you from dying, but it leads to a vision of the glory of God, a vision that coincides with eternal life. <laughs> See, that's a good place to say amen. <laughs> See, the, the, these are precisely the things we need in the times in which we live. We need, this, we need the fullness of the Spirit of God to see heaven open because we need to see the glory of God so that our hearts and lives correspond to reality. And although, although being full of the Holy Spirit doesn't prevent death, it does lead us to the glory of God which coincides with eternal life. See, and this readies us for when the violent respond. Look at verses 57 and 58. But they, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So note the contrast between the deacon and the mob. Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, verse 55. And here they are resisting the Holy Spirit, verse 51. See, the good news of the gospel is not always good news for those who are bent on trying to open heaven through their own means. See, people aren't any different today than so, so, 
You know, try telling someone now that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. You try telling that to people, and they will tell you this, this you, you, and you probably heard this, that you're narrow. And there, there, are, there are many ways to God. You shouldn't be so closed-minded and exclusive. Now, now I know that that's a real head-scratcher because, think about this, if you, if you were to get a tax bill from the IRS that was $150,000 and you have $10 in the bank, you have no way of paying it off. But suddenly, some billionaire benefactor comes and gives you the money to pay the bill, you, you would not look at them and say, you're being narrow and exclusive. And I have many ways to pay the IRS, many ways other than money. You no, know, you would be thanking them. You, you would be thanking them for saving you from prison and decades of debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In our nation and, and around the world, Christians are being attacked because they see the heavens open through Jesus Christ. For example, it is, a, as, you, as you have heard, it's Asian American Pacific Islander Month, and we're, we're celebrating this. So I thought it'd be appropriate to have an example uh, from, from that community. That, so North Korea has been the number one country in, where persecution of Christians has taken place, and it's been the number one persecutor of Christians for more than 20 years, according to Open Doors, which is a persecution watchdog group. And there's 25 million people or more in North Korea. And, and there's an estimated 300,000 of them are Christians. And then tens of thousands of these Christians are in the gulag. Some estimate that it's between 50 and 70,000 Christians that are in the gulag there in North Korea. You see, just as it was then, so it is now. Violent groups respond to the heavens being opened by Jesus with trying to kill the Christian. But because heaven is opened, the beauty of what is to come, for the, for, it displaces the fear of the violence of the group. See, the beauty of what's to come displaces the fear of the violence of the group. See, ahead of the Christian, ahead of the, ahead of the believer, is the glory of God, eternal life, the likeness of Christ, perfect truth, perfect love, no more pain, tears wiped away by the hand of God, the community of the people of God. All of that is ahead of the Christian. So you can understand why the Apostle Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You see, in the heavens open provides the perspective of seeing the blessing that is disguised as suffering. It enables the Christian to count it all joy when they fall into various trials. Bay, who is a Christian living in North Korea, no, Bay is not your boo. 
He's a, he's a Christian living in North Korea. He's, he's, and he, and this is his testimony. This is from his testimony. He said this, from the perspective of other people, our life of suffering must seem like a cursed life. However, this suffering is a blessing from our Father who allowed it in our life because it is a shortcut to the Father. He knows our suffering and listens to our prayers. We thank our Father who has done such great things to prepare life for us. See why we need each other? We need, we need, we need, we need these perspectives. We need these voices. You see that there, there, yeah, yeah. Like this is how it, it is. It is through the blessing that is disguised as suffering. You learn to count it all joy when you enter into various trials. But there are some similarities too between Stephen and Christ. The seeing the heaven opened allows. This is one of them. Seeing the heavens open allows one to suffer as Christ suffered. Look at verse fifty-eight in, of chapter seven. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man, Saul. See, Christ also suffered outside of the city, didn't he? This is what Hebrews 13, 12 tells us. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. They dragged Jesus out and crucified him. They dragged Stephen out and crucified and, and, and stoned him. Another similarity between Stephen and Jesus is their accusers. I always get it back. You know, whether it's Stephen or Stephen, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's that guy. Stephen, you know, he, Jesus, they have, the, they have this other thing in common. Their accusers confess their guilt. Remember, the witnesses, you know, they were false witnesses against Stephen, and they, and they, they, they were following the law. They were, they were keeping the law to the letter and stoning Stephen and everything except the taking off of their clothes. It's like, why did they take their clothes off? See, the one, because in, in the law, the one who was being stoned, the guilty one, is the one who was to be stripped. But here, it's the witnesses who strip. To Craig Keener, commenting on this, this, on this verse, he says this, Luke records this detail to identify the guilty parties. Those stoning Stephen figuratively admit their own guilt by stripping themselves. And under Mosaic law, false witnesses in a capital case were to be executed themselves. Yeah, see, you couldn't, you couldn't falsely accuse someone and, 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 your, and your, your false witness found out you're to be put to death. So they are admitting their own guilt as they strip and put their clothes at the feet of Saul. So Stephen's accusers, like Jesus' accusers, were self-condemning. And you remember, recall what the priest and their confession when Jesus is there before Pilate, their confession is that Jesus is not their king. You know, remember John 19, 15? They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, and here's their, here's their confession. We have no king but Caesar. So Jesus' accusers were self-condemning as were Stephen's. 
And, the high, so, and this, highlights, this highlights the next point about the, the rightness, the vindication of a servant in verse 59 of Acts 7. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And see, here is the death of the righteous. You know, this, is, this is the end of those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Christ's vindication is given to his children. See, Jesus is at the right hand of God, until, and, he said, and the scripture tells us, until his enemies are made his, his footstool. The throne, the throne of God is the place of judgment. See, at the throne of God is the final, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the supreme court is not the supreme court. The judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of God is, and it's there where, where everything is judged and it's that throne, it's that throne, it's a place of judgment. And in those days, if the judge stood, he was about to deliver a verdict. And you find here Jesus standing. See, vindication, vindication is the declaration of, be, of, of, of that you are right. You're being declared right by the judge. And is there a greater judge than Jesus? That was a question, class. Yes, there's no, greater, there's no greater judge. There are two judges here in the text. The judge of all the earth, who is himself the standard of righteousness, and he's standing at the right hand of God, and there are earthly judges, fellow humans, who set themselves as the standard of righteousness. See, one judge gives life, the others take life. The life received from the judge of all the earth is eternal. The life taken by the earthly judges will only set the life of the child of God free to become more of what the judge of all the earth intends. Hallelujah. See, the only reason Stephen can call out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, is because Jesus had already received him. Jesus had already committed himself to Stephen's righteousness. See, this is a necessary consequence of being full of the Holy Spirit and seeing heaven open. That the Spirit does what Jesus said in John 16, 14. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, Jesus is the fulfillment, follow me, follow me now, Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 31. And the vindication that is outlined in the psalm belongs to Jesus. And the Spirit declares it to us, the Lord's servants. He declares that the Lord is our refuge and he will never let us be put to shame. It is his righteousness that delivers us. Is that verse 1 of Psalm 31? In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Because Jesus committed his spirit into the Father's hand, Psalm 31, 5, it's true of us. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. That's why Stephen could say that and pray that. Do you see? See, when the world wants to act like a judge, condemning the Christian for not following its standard, we see heaven opened with Jesus Christ standing, delivering a verdict. And his verdict has been rendered on our behalf already. And it says, righteous. Hallelujah. He's given his righteousness so that the heavens, the heavens 
are open so that all those whom he has vindicated may enter in. So the question, the questions are, how does this vindication come to you? Why do you need this vindication? Why do you need heaven opened in the first place? See, heaven is opened, and we get the vision of God's glory to sustain us when the violent respond, and we receive the vindication of a servant being, having heard the voice of grace. The verse 60, this is the fourth thing, the, the, the voice of grace. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's dying words are, they're not natural, are they? No, no. See, these people have lied about him. They, the rulers have illegally lynched him. These leaders didn't have the authority to execute anyone. That was against Roman law. And amid all of these injustices, how is it that he could pray for his killers to not be charged with his murder? See, seeing the heavens open transforms your heart. Having the Holy Spirit filling you and seeing the glory of God and knowing the righteousness you have is not your own, walking in these truths works grace into you so you can work it out. Did you know what Stephen was doing in preaching that dangerous sermon? He was rehearsing the grace of God to those leaders. He hammered it over and over again how God had given them grace. From calling Abraham to the deliverance from slavery in, in Egypt to sending them this redeemer like with prefigured Christ, Moses, and then... And this whole thing with the, with the tabernacle, David d desiring to build a permanent place for the Lord, Solomon actually doing it, and they're carried away in their idolatry, and they're reminded that the Lord doesn't dwell in buildings made with hands. And they're letting, he's letting them know that God has given them grace. And while, he, while they go off into Babylon and, and they're into captivity because of their idolatry, God is giving them grace. So Stephen rehearsed the marvelous works of God's grace right up to the death of the righteous one, Jesus Christ, in verse 52. So his rebuke of them is that they didn't see heaven open because they were busy trying to find another way in, <laughs> another way in other than the door that Jesus is holding open with his nail-scarred hand. Friend, are you hearing the voice of grace? Saul, would later be, who later becomes Paul, heard it in his conscience. The sound of Stephen's dying words and, and holding the guilty party's clothes, knowing the law that these should have died for being false witnesses, yet Stephen died in their place. All of it combined was too much for his conscience. And so in his testimony in Acts 26, you hear he says what, what it is that took place on the road to Damascus. How Jesus confronted him and he knocked him off his horse. And he heard the Lord say, this is verse 14 of, of, of Acts 26, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. He's talking about his conscience. He knows, he knows that this is wrong. So Jesus confronts him with the voice of grace, making him blind so he could see the heavens opened. 
Do you see see the heavens open? Are you seeing them open? See, Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus, he's our vindication. So why not take the righteousness that he offers? Heaven is opened, and you and I are invited to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come, all who are weary and heavy laden. Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride says come. Isaiah 55, 1, come, everyone who is thirsty. Jesus is speaking in John chapter 6. Come, if you are hungry, if anyone is hungry. Jesus said this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Come. See, there's no other place for you to turn for the forgiveness of sin, to see the glory of God, to have the spirit of God, to have eternal life. It's only in Christ. The heavens are open and there's no sign that says we close at 930. It's 927 now. You only have three minutes. No salvation for you. See, see, through Jesus, the heavens are opened. Hallelujah. You might say, Pastor, I, I get that, but I can't do that on my own. Yeah, I'm, I'm a failure. Yeah, get in line. We all, we're all failures. And, that's, and it's true. No, you can't do it on your own. And guess what? You're not called to do it on your own. You're called to do it together in community. We help each other with seeing the heavens open. We help each other with getting this vision of the glory of God. We help each other in understanding the vindication of being the Lord's servants. We help one another to listen, to speak this voice of grace. And in so doing, the world will see the heavens opened. And they won't feel like they're being mocked. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for opening heaven. Thank you that it is always your plan. As as it was in the beginning, so it is now that the heavens and the earth are one. Thank you for including us, for opening heaven for us. Lord, enable us by your grace to take it in as a community, to speak of it with with one another. And Lord, and then not to fear how the response, but to leave that to you. You, Lord, you are the final judge and you have spoken grace over us. Oh, Lord, calm every nervous heart and hear every prayer calling on you for salvation, for the glory of Christ in whose name we pray.